This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts... Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you the devil's in the details. Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday. Appreciate you guys joining me. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. And remember, we are free wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you uh, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta. Big thanks to uh, the production team here for the new introduction here for A to Z. Certainly enjoyed uh, having that as part of the show today. And it's appropriate just because, you know, um, well, we're, we're in a new era right now. Um, we, we are very much in a scenario here where I have to remind you guys repeatedly about taking the 30,000 foot view with the Atlanta Falcons and reminding you that games like yesterday uh, aren't a sign that things are going bad. They're actually a sign that things are going good. Uh, The loss to the chargers yesterday wasn't because you were out coached. It wasn't because you necessarily were outplayed. Uh, It wasn't because they, 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 you know, just flat out had better athletes you lost because you, you didn't execute well, and that's fixable. Um, you know, th- that, that is something that in the grand scheme of things is very much a, a fixable problem that you have. You know, there were a ton of mistakes in the game yesterday, and it really kind of played out like a lot of other Falcons games this year, right? It played out like a lot of other Falcons games in the sense that they ran the ball really well, they controlled the clock. They controlled the flow of the game. Um, you know, their defense played better than expected despite giving up big chunks of yards. Um, you know, overall, if I looked at the box score, I would say the Falcons probably won this game. And then you get to the turnover situation, and, well, they, that, that explains it. I mean, that that's part of it. But all things considered – This is the kind of game that the Falcons play. It was a carbon copy of other wins. They just didn't make enough plays. This game looked like a carbon copy of the Browns game that they won. Statistically, it looked a lot like that. This game statistically looked a lot like the Buccaneers game that they won, minus the defensive touchdown. You know, like these are the kind of games that the Falcons win. This is who they are. And Marcus Mariota is who he is. Guys, we do this every single week. And it makes me wonder why we have to bang our head against the wall. I was driving around this morning and I'm listening to talk radio here in Atlanta. Um, and fans are calling up complaining about Marcus Mariota. And what what do you want to hear? Drake London and Kyle Pitts both got seven targets. So we can't complain about the target share. They only got out of the 14 targets they got, they only got five passes completed for 50 yards. Why? And guys, Marcus Mariota is incredibly inaccurate. He just is. There, there was a pass. There were two passes I could think of to Kyle Pitts. One of them he actually caught, but the other one he didn't and couldn't because the passes were so far behind him. It was, it was pathetic. It, this just is what he is. We have to keep doing this over and over again. And I'm not sure why we're expecting different results. You should be proud of the way the defense played yesterday because. 
all things considered, you know, they uh, they played better than I would have thought. Now, the Chargers didn't have their full complement of wide receivers. Uh, Josh Palmer was their best receiver yesterday. You couldn't, you, nobody knew who DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, Richard Rogers, you know, nobody knew who those guys were. So, uh, Justin Herbert did a good job of, you know, trying to spread the ball around as much as he could, but, you know, this is not a, a team that was loaded with talent. If they had Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, this game probably isn't anywhere near as close. But again, the Falcons are a limited team roster standpoint. They're a limited team from a talent standpoint. And you're going to lose close games. And, and for those who wanted to go back and say, oh, well, the way we we're winning before wasn't sustainable. You were right. I don't think anybody was ever arguing that, though. I don't think anybody was ever questioning whether it was sustainable or not. I think you just need to recognize and realize what is going on here with this team. They're taking steps. I don't look at this as a bad loss. You didn't execute well, and you got beat by a team with a better quarterback. That happens a lot in the NFL. I mean, if you watch a lot of games, it kind of just goes down that way. So what you take from this, did the Falcons let an opportunity slip away? Yeah. Was this one of those games that you probably looked at the beginning of the season and said you probably weren't going to win anyway? Yeah. Does that matter in the grand scheme of things? No. I think you'll you'll learn a lot more about Arthur Smith and this team as they have to turn around and play in four days again. I think that really is 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 a better barometer against an opponent that they saw two weeks ago. How well prepared are they for the Carolina Panthers? I mean, the idea that winning the division, as much as it's in your grasp, is something that you should be upset about losing. All things considered, to me, is a little bit much. Uh, you're, you're moving the goalposts on those expectations. You're flat out mo- losing the goalposts, moving the goalposts on those expectations. A loss yesterday, you're still way ahead of where you thought you'd be. The fact that you're four and five and tied for first at this point, you know, says more about how bad the Buccaneers have been um, than anything else. If the Buccaneers were seven and two, and you were in second place at four and five, you'd view this thing totally differently. But still, the Falcons are a team right now that I think fans have to understand these are the games that are going to happen down the stretch. And oh, by the way, when we start looking at the schedule, before you get ahead of yourself and start saying, hey, the schedule lightens up, the schedule lightens up. Nah. Not really. Um, you, you think it does, but it doesn't. The, the, the Falcons aren't a team that is built to be able to dominate other teams other than running the football. So with that, uh, if they can't dominate running the foot, if they can't do anything other than dominate with running the football, then they're going to be in close games religiously. And teams who run the ball really well are going to be in close games religiously. Look at the Titans and Chiefs last night. The Titans run the ball really well. They were in a close game. They ended up on the wrong side of it. Why? Because their offense with... Uh, that young quarterback, Malik Willis, is pretty stagnant. I mean, you, you could argue that for, for as much as you want to talk about the turnover and everything else and, uh, you know, the fumble that wasn't, that was, whatever, however you want to phrase it, guess what? The offense only scored 17 points. You're not going to win a lot of games that way, especially with a defense that doesn't really stop a whole lot of people. 
So if the Falcons get A.J. Terrell back on Thursday night, that may be uh, very much a, a something that gives a lift on defense. But 30,000-foot view, folks. I'll keep saying it until you get it through your heads. 30,000-foot view. It's the only, the only, only thing you need to remind yourself of. This team has a lot of growing to do, and they're doing it, and they're taking the right steps, but they are also a team that typically lines up against teams that are more talented than they are. And that puts them at a distinct disadvantage. All right, coming up next, uh, it was a huge day for the Georgia Bulldogs and in college football. And what did we learn? That's next. But first, want to remind you guys for thanks for making Locked On Falcons your first listen every day. Uh, Aaron Freeman does a fantastic job. Appreciate you guys always checking out Locked On Falcons. For your next listen, though, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget that Locked On Sports Atlanta is free on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, you just search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Okay. Um, It was a game that should have been more predictable. Um, And a lot of people, not sure they saw this one coming per se. Um, You know, I think I talked to you guys on Friday uh, when we did the, uh, when we did the, the hangout, the ATL hangout that we do with John Chuckery and Jarvis Davis. You know, there was a lot of different ways that I could see this game unfolding. Um, And this was certainly one of them. It was a perfect start. Other than the fumble early on for Georgia, it was a perfect start. They put Tennessee down by 11 points early. And what happens every time when you, when, when you are a team that scores as easily as Tennessee has all year long and your first four drives are six plays field goal. You only had to go 17 yards. Five plays, 16 yards, three plays, no yards, four plays, 16 yards. Guess what? And you've given up two touchdowns, three touchdowns in that span. Yeah, you panic. You start throwing the ball all over the place. And that's exactly what Josh Heupel did. He panicked. Knew he couldn't run on Georgia. Um, knew he couldn't, couldn't win the game that way. So he sent Hendon Hooker to the slaughter, and he got slaughtered. He got sacked six times. But Georgia asserts themselves as the best team in the land. Um, they should end up with the number one ranking this week. No way fans are butts, especially considering Ohio State struggled mightily with Northwestern. And Georgia, you could argue, probably has the two best wins in the country right now, um, beating Oregon and beating Tennessee. I think that's fair. I don't know a team that has two better wins than a number one team and the team now that's going to be inside the top five, if not top four, of the college football playoff rankings when it's done in Oregon. So uh, Georgia should be the number one team in the land when it's all said and done. And for all of the bluster about Tennessee's offense, Georgia once again proves a very simple fact that good defenses will shut down good offenses. And scheme matters. Um, You have to figure out a way to play defense. I've been telling you guys for weeks that Tennessee is going to get got because of that pass defense. They got got on both fronts. They got got because their offense couldn't do anything, but they also got got because, you know, their pass defense was terrible. They gave up 387 yards, um, and Georgia, who's very good with the ball and time possession, didn't even need to possess it that long. 
31 to 29 was the final time possession for Georgia. So Georgia didn't exactly run the ball very well, but they were just super, super effective every time they touched the ball. Again, Georgia went five plays, 80 yards. They had that one play um, for a 37-yard touchdown, but six plays, 64 yards. Georgia goes 12 plays, 78 yards. Like the Kirby Smart death march, 15 plays, 67 yards to start the second half. I mean, you are, and the other thing you're doing to a bad defense there is just wearing them down. It's just wearing them down. That's all you're doing. You keep that defense out on the field that long. By the fourth quarter, those guys are exhausted. Georgia is methodical. They are uh, deliberate, and they are extremely well coached, and they execute at a high level. You know, I mean, just watching that game unfold, you could see how Georgia dominates. And Georgia really should not have to break a sweat again the rest of this year uh, I know they got to go to to Lexington and play Kentucky, but uh, road game in Starkville next week. You'll get the Cowbells out. And oh, by the way, Mississippi State laid such an egg this week against Auburn. It was my best bet, so I'm allowed to be a little bit sour about it. But uh, I bet on Mississippi State, expecting them to uh, <laughs> expecting them to to you know do what they did in the second half. They did in the first half. They go up 24 to six in the first half. It looked like they were going to cruise to a victory. Then they just kind of stopped playing football, but that's neither here nor there back to Georgia. Cause it's more fun to talk about them. So um, Georgia's going to have the easiest path right through it, it, the, the one question left to figure out about Georgia is who are they going to face in uh, the sec title game after Alabama, who, God, they make a ton of mistakes. Alabama makes so many mistakes. It is unreal. I've never seen it from a Saban coach team. I really never have. I never, never have. Um, but LSU looks to be in the driver's seat for a date with Georgia in the SEC title game. LSU has head-to-head tiebreakers over Ole Miss and Alabama. Ole Miss and Alabama are going to knock each other out of this whole thing because they're going to play each other this week. But really, the only hope that either Ole Miss or Alabama has um, is probably Texas A&M because I think they have the better defense. Now, the two road games left for LSU are Arkansas and A&M. They play UAB. That doesn't count. Um, Do I think LSU could lose either one of those games? Yeah. And I think the line opened up at uh, LSU minus two this week against Arkansas. Oh, minus three. Okay. Yeah. So it's already moving in favor of LSU. But yeah, I mean, that, that that's LSU, Georgia in the SEC title game. It'll be more of the same. Jaden Daniels will be in for a rude awakening. He's not going to know what hit him. If Hendon Hooker got beat up like that, imagine what's going to happen to Jaden Daniels. It's not even going to be close. So... It was very much a um, a sort of pre-coronation for Georgia this weekend. The way that they handled um, the way that they handled Tennessee. There, there were there were a lot of sharp people out there who saw that game script unfolding, um, and Georgia once again proves that they have the horses other teams don't. Although part of me is really curious, I, I would I would love to see Georgia play Alabama this year. I know it's easy to say that Georgia would crush them, 
Um, but you know, again, it's one of those deals where uh, I genuinely believe um, that game would be closer than people give it credit for just because Saban knows how to coach. But again, his players make so many mistakes. It's unreal how many bad mistakes his team makes. Never seen anything like it from a Saban coach team at all. At all. It really, really is very much a um, a, a situation where, um, you know, the, the, the Alabama Crimson Tide, you know, I'm not going to write their demise, but I will turn around and uh, – and say that they are uncharacteristically undisciplined, which is what you don't expect from a Nick Saban type team. All right. Uh, we have some NFL news and notes to get to as well. And the Hawks, uh, they are also um, in a big game tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll see how that game goes. Uh, we got a lot of interesting things that happened. Uh, in the NFL this uh, th- this Sunday, and uh, we are going to discuss all of that here in just a moment. But first, a word from my friends, your friends at Locked On Sports today. You know, Locked On Falcons is a great show. You guys hear me say it all the time, and we appreciate you guys making Locked On Falcons with Aaron Freeman your first listen every day for your next listen. Check out that Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We are going to get to the NFL here in just a moment, but first, let's get to the Shovel of Wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it every single day. Uh, We have to set somebody upside the head, whack them right upside the head uh, for saying or doing something stupid. And uh, today, my shovel goes to the UFC. All right. Um, I don't know if you guys followed this, um, but there is a fight in the UFC that is under investigation. Um, it ended, it was between Derek Minner and Shailen. I can't even say this guy's last name, nor Den Biki. Um, it ended abruptly in the first round and it's being investigated um, by US based integrity firm after several sports books in multiple states reported suspicious wagering on the featherweight bout. Um, the odds of Noor Denviki defeating the underdog Minner moved dramatically hours leading up to the fight. We always say this, that you follow the money. Um, betters were convinced that only would the underdog, uh, or betters were convinced rather that Noor Denviki was not the underdog, would win, but he would do so in the first round. Money poured in on the favorite, uh, and the, for the fight to last fewer than two and a half rounds, some fought, some sports book took the fight off the board, and immediately it was, uh, you know, Subject to investigation. Um, Here's And again, this kind of stuff, one, it gets overblown, okay? Uh, Two, the fact that a fighter could throw a fight, um, you know, to me uh, is utterly ridiculous. Uh, There is a lot of, uh, there were also talk about, you know, that Minner, who's the underdog, was injured um, and he wasn't 100% healthy for the fight. But like the UFC has to police all this stuff. Uh, and, and, and owes it to its patrons and its viewers to make sure that they are putting on something that is 100% genuine. Um, 
And I'm all for, you know, somebody who's a big sports better. I am all for investigations into stuff like this. I keep telling everybody routinely, there's literally no way in this day and age that anybody could throw something that this big um, without getting caught. And if, and if it comes down to that, this was a thrown fight, there are going to be people in trouble and they should all should be prosecuted and put in jail. But that's not an indictment on uh, sports betting or gambling or anything that, that could be bad. It just is not. So, uh, yeah. Let's see how the rest of this one plays out. All right. Speaking of uh, playing out, it was a weird thing, weird Sunday in the way things played out in the NFL. You know, you're at uh, most teams have played eight or nine games at this point in time, and you start to realize, you know, where people are uh, and and where teams are. Like the Packers are done. This is a a bad team right now. Um, they don't have anything offensively to rely on. And, and, and they're going to continue to struggle because they don't. Uh, it, it's kind of shocking to see. However, the guy who has a uh, ticket on the Vikings to win the NFC North at plus 275, this guy, uh, very happy the Vikings continue to dominate. But you have to wonder how for real the Vikings are um, because they are also another team that you have to question. You know, their only losses to the Eagles, and for whatever reason, they've played a fairly soft schedule. Um, the Minnesota Vikings have not really been pushed other than beating the Dolphins. Is there really a, a signature win on their schedule? I mean, the Packers isn't signature anymore. That's for darn sure. Um, but again, I think that Dolphins game, they were without Tua. So, uh, and, and we know what the Dolphins are with Tua. We can see them score. Rams are in trouble. They're done. Uh, they they won't make the playoffs. They have Next to no shot at this point in time. And the Buccaneers and Tom Brady saved their season with under a minute left yesterday. Um, by And they saved Scotty Miller, who dropped an easy touchdown, which would have given the Buccaneers, um, you know, the lead that they needed without, you know, two minutes, the last two minutes of the game. But regardless, so the Buccaneers obviously moved to four and five there in first place. But there is a lot – there are just a lot of other teams that are just done right now. I mean, you, Raiders blow another lead. Another lead. The Raiders did 17-point lead. They are, like, done. Colts are done. I mean, we have really separated this league right now. And if you look at the standings, it's not hard to figure out uh, where the line is drawn, right? Like, you can easily see um, the good teams and the bad teams. You got three – I don't know if the Patriots are that good, but everybody in the NFC – AFC East is above 500. Uh, and with the Commanders' loss, they're the only team in the NFC East that is um, below 500. But all of the NFC South is below 500. Uh, three teams in the NFC North are below 500. Uh, two, half the NFC West is below 500. I mean, it's it's bad. Like, there is a clear line. If you don't have five wins at this point in time, like, I feel like with the exception of somebody winning the NFC South, if you don't have five wins, you're done. Because everybody else who doesn't have five wins has like three or two. So uh, it's a weird, weird NFL year, guys. It is not going to get any easier to figure out either. Not going to get any easier at all to figure this thing out because, well, guess what? It's that kind of year. It's all you could say. All right, let's pivot real quick to the Atlanta Hawks uh, as they host the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, uh, primetime game. I think the game is on ESPN, is it? Or is it still on Bally's? 
Um, regardless, against the Milwaukee Bucks who come in, Bucks are, are, are laying three points in the game. Uh, Bucks are 9-0 and in the East, haven't lost yet, uh, trying to make it 10 in a row. The Hawks are 6-3, and three, have played well, won some games over the weekend. Um, the big win over New Orleans in overtime. It's interesting. You know, I went back and looked. Now, only one game in this series has been decided by a margin of, of less than five points. And it was an overtime win for Milwaukee back in 2019. These games are pretty one-sided. When the Hawks win, they win big. When the Bucks win, they win big. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this game shakes out. Uh, and it falls on, on, on you know, a night where you can get to State Farm and there's nothing else going on right now. And uh, you're starting to turn the calendar a little bit, even though we're at daylight savings time and it's November and it's still 80 degrees in Atlanta. Uh, it feels like it's a good night to go catch a basketball game. You know, uh, but these are the kind of games where the Hawks are going to be measured, right? Uh, we talked a lot about how the Hawks can beat up on the bad teams, but yet they struggle with the good teams. Already this year, the Bucks ended up beating the Hawks 123 to 115. That game was in Milwaukee. Let's see if they can show out against a team like Milwaukee and go win a game. Because the Hawks' three losses this year were to uh, – I, I, I guess you want to count Charlotte as a playoff team from last year in the play-in tournament, but Charlotte, Milwaukee, and Toronto, all playoff teams. Their wins were against Houston, Orlando, two against Detroit, New York, and the Pelicans. So make of that what you will. See if the Hawks come out tonight and get a win against a very, very good Bucks team. All right, that'll do it for us here on A to Z on this Monday. Back tomorrow uh, for a full show. Again, remind you guys, that A to Z and all of Locked On Sports Atlanta is free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget to subscribe to that YouTube channel. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. You guys have a wonderful Monday. Back tomorrow for a Tuesday show. Have a great day. Don't take the crap from anybody. See ya. 